welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today we have Amy and Marla and Pip and Dave and Dennis and Carrie. Good to have everyone today. Uh, announcements today. Don't forget about our private Facebook group. Dow of our understanding, same logo as we have on the podcast. We did have a question in the Dow group. Amy, we had someone that was interested in finding out what the name of the book was. It was Frida, and she was interested in finding out what the name of the book was that you read that got you interested. I know Pip was interested in that too. Yep. So, hey, everybody, Amy here. Um, This is the book. It's a really cool cover too. The name of it is 12 Wisdom Steps, Unifying Principles of the 12 Steps of AA Found in the Wisdom Traditions by Reverend Dr. Andrea Travers. Anyway, it goes through Buddhism and cosmology and Christianity, Hinduism. Um, It talks about the principle behind each step, Um, Islam, Judaism, and Taoism. So that's how I got turned on to uh, the Tao by reading this. So again, um, I'll put a link to it at buddyc.org. So I'll I'll find it on on Amazon and link it there on the the homepage. So the the website's pretty cool too in that you can put in a step or a principle and pick um or at least this is what it used to be and pick which which wisdom tradition they call it you want to read about. It's it's just an extra little tool in the toolbox. Thank you Amy. And then don't forget our nightly 9 p.m. Eastern open online meeting of AA every night 9 p.m. Eastern. Amy chairs Sunday, I chair Friday. Amy also does a breakout, a beginner breakout on Friday. Uh, We are going to start reading the first 164 again of the big book. That'll be March 16th. Uh, I'm going to tell my story in the meeting on March the 15th. So if anyone wants to come celebrate our two-year anniversary, I'm honored to have been asked and so I'm going to share my story on the 15th at 9 p.m. Eastern. So if you be a little early, we usually run 70, 80, probably a few extra that night. So if and we top out at 100. So if you want to make sure and get in, be a little early for that. But that'll be 9 p.m. Eastern. I have some friends that are planning on coming that don't come otherwise. Um, hey, buddy. Yes, ma'am. Just since you plugged the 15th, I'll go ahead and plug because, you know, it's attraction, not promotion. I am going to be celebrating nine years on March 12th, which also happens to be a Saturday night. So I'll be telling my story for Fort Dimensioners cool. on March 12th from Belize. I will be on vacation because that's what I do for those big birthdays. So I'll be in Belize on the Fort Dimension. Wow. Yeah, oh, that's good. Great. Always 9 p.m. Eastern. So, guys, you can always find us. We're going to be reading from the 77th verse. So I think, uh, Marla, you're going to read for us the first two, if you would, please. 
Will do. All right, translation one of verse 77. The Tao of heaven is like the bending of a bow. The high is lowered and the low is raised. If the string is too long, it is shortened. If there's not enough, it is made longer. The Tao of heaven is to take from those who have too much and give to those who do not have enough. Man's way is different. He takes from those who do not have enough and give to those who already have too much. What man has more than enough and gives it to the world? Only the man of Tao. Therefore, the sage works without recognition. He achieves what has to be done without dwelling on it. He does not try to show his knowledge. Translation two, as it acts in the world, the Tao is like the bending of a bow. The top is bent downward and the bottom is bent up. It adjusts excess, it adjusts excess and deficiency so that there is perfect balance. It takes from what is too much and gives to what isn't enough. Those who try to control, who use force to, pr- to protect their power, go against the direction of the Tao. They take from those who don't have enough and give to those who have far too much. The master can keep giving because there's no end to her wealth. She acts without expectation, succeeds without credit, and doesn't think that she's better than anyone else. McDonald's translation, the Tao of heaven works in the world like the drawing of a bow. The top is bent downward, the bottom is bent up. The excess is taken from and the deficient is given to. The Tao works to use the excess and gives to that which is depleted. The way of people is to take from the depleted and give to those who already have an excess. Who is able to give to the needy from their excess? Only someone who is following the way of the Tao. This is why the master gives expecting nothing in return. She does not dwell on her past accomplishments and does not glory in any praise. Hogan Lao Tzu said using Tao was like pulling on a bowstring. The top bends down, the bottom bends up, and all the energy is focused in the middle. Tao takes energy from where it is and sends it where it needs to be. But most people take from those who don't have enough, so those who have too much already can have more. So who in this world is truly generous to others? People who are in touch with Tao, they do their work without taking credit. They get the job done and move on. They aren't interested in showing off. Thank you, Amy. Um, My interpretation of this was entitled How to Love Yourself. Love works like drawing a bow. When high, love brings down. When low, love lifts. Where there is excess, love reduces. Where there's deficiency, love replenishes. The way of man is the opposite, not comprehending how love works. Who's able to take what they have and give to those lacking? Only those who recognize the unlimited power of love. The sage surrenders to the power of love to meet the needs of others with no desire for credit or blame. In doing so, her self-love is beyond measure. Hmm. Wow. I'm amazed when I read those sometimes. I'm like, did I really pin that? I mean, it just, what a gift. What a gift. Uh, Comments, guys? I see on this that the master can give 
because there's no end to her wealth. And the reason there's no end is because she's really not relying on her own efforts. The almost, you know, the top one, two, down to the last stanza, I think, is just describing how when it's not working and the the last portion is about it really working. Um, Like if you look at any of those, it talks about the bow bending and the the power of the bow centers, you know. Um, And then it talks about uh, using force to protect your power. That's not centering. It goes against the direction of the Tao. Um, The master gives because there's no end because she acts without expectation, succeeds without taking credit, doesn't think that she's better than anyone else. She gives expecting nothing in return. She doesn't dwell on past accomplishments and does not glory in any praise. She's, She's not trying to protect herself. She's not using force with an agenda of some kind. I see humility there. I see lack of expectations there. Anytime that I'm taking an action with wanting to be recognized or wanting that pat on the back, that is me trying to uh, protect my power. That is me trying to uh, to promote myself, which is the opposite of what this is talking about. About this statement, the Tao takes energy from where it is and sends it to where it needs to be. So that's all about balance, right? Yeah. And and I didn't have any of that before. It was well, all about go ahead. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I need more. And it's funny. We talk about balance, but when we think of balance, it would we think of like an equal part of A with an equal part of B, right? Like, you know, like you have so much give and so much take. You know, that's our idea of balance, right? But if you read the last statement in any of these, there is no balance that we can see in that la- in the in the final statement where the master gives expecting nothing in return does not dwell on her past accomplishment and does not glory in any praise. That does not sound balanced to me. It depends. Okay. It depends again on what, well, not again, but like what your perception of balance is. Exactly. That's Because exactly. yet before, absolutely. The good, the bad, the, you know, absolute opposites need to exist at the same time. Well, what are those, right? For me now, it's, um, it's it's absolutely more of what I can do for someone else. Not trying to be, not trying to sound codependent because I've worked on that too. But like, what can I do for you? And in turn, I'm okay. That sounds very codependent, but that's not what I mean by that. <laughs> I heard a statement that I, w- I was listening to a book and I'll look it up, but it's very good about, and one statement that was made was the difference between serving and helping in that when I'm helping someone, that's not what I need to be doing, but serving someone's a whole nother story. Phil? Yeah, the what you just said, Amy, really, um, the last paragraph of the verse, that the, all of it really reminds me of um, 
like resentments in our step four because really the setting up of I'll do for you but overt or covertly there's an expectation that I'll either receive acknowledgement or praise um, is like where the sticky part is. That's where our resentments come in. And we kind of, I guess, spoke about this on the last um, recording when it was like helping others, when is it, you know, and when are you sort of meddling and when are you not? And I feel like this is speaking to when you're not, when you're doing it without an expectation that you're going to receive some kind of praise or some kind of acknowledgement. And sometimes, like has been mentioned with codependency, it's really hard. It's not, it can be a subtle acknowledgement, any kind of like, oh, I get something back for something good that I've done. Um, but also it reminds me of step 12 and passing the message on, you know, like this whole thing's like, you know, passing the message on without um, seeking recognition, you know, without taking credit um, for somebody else's process of recovery and that's probably healthy sponsorship thank you pip that's good uh dennis yes i uh, first first of all i really like that that balance part of it and 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 thinking of it the balance is actually i'm just keep giving and and it actually never adds up because they always return somehow right but but the thing about just giving it away without thinking about getting anything back uh, in was already thinking about that then I like the last uh, translation, where it says that the energy isn't is focused in the middle, which is kind of, of where you want to be, right? <laughs> That's it. And and I remember for myself, I, I normally wanted to give it, give everything I could to some people who already had, so I'd make sure I can get something back. There was always some manipulative thing behind it. Um, I remember giving a big book, two or three big books I've been giving away. Purchased by my own money, I didn't have much. Give it away to somebody when when they didn't read the damn thing. I got upset. I had some resentments to work on when they didn't want to read it, right? So, so there was always some expectations. Now I gotta, no matter what I give away, it's just it's not mine anymore. It is so, uh, and I like actually you. You're right. All the the, the stanzas pretty much uh, ends on giving away, and the last one is 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 not being selfish. Right. Uh, I really like that. That's also the essence of the program. It's good stuff. Thank you. Yeah, not interested in showing off. Uh, the sage works without recognition, achieves what has to be done without dwelling on it, does not try to show his knowledge. So he's not interested in showing off. The way uh, Mitchell talks about it, though. He talks about it a little different, that there's no end to her wealth because of the way she gives mm-hmm. and from the source of her giving. If she's given out of her own effort, then there's a limit to her giving. But if she's giving without expectation, without taking credit, and uh, and in a way that's uh, she's not trying to show off or gain praise. She's giving from another place. She's not giving from her self-effort. Reminds me of another metaphor. I don't know if you can say anything. It's also talked about uh, the archer, and it's and it's in, in raising your children. I don't know if you can connect these two, 
It's very interesting. Actually, they say that, that raising your, your children is like an archer that's shooting the bow. And you can actually, there, when, whenever you let go of the bow, it's, it's over. You can only point it in the direction you want to. And then when you let go of the arrow, it's over. And that's where you need to let go, which is pretty hard for most parents, right? <laughs> so so uh, I don't know if you can combine that with this, but it just came to mind. What excesses do we have that we can give? Because it looks like they're giving from an excess, right? Adjusting the excesses. So one question to ask is, what do we have? And well, automatically, you know, it's easy to think about, well, I don't have any money, so I can't give anything. You know, most people go right to money, you know, but let's take money off the table. Let's not talk about money. Let's think of other things that we have. Time. Time is the biggest thing you can give to somebody, I think. And really, truly focus 100% of whoever you're giving it to at the moment. That's probably, and then there is, it actually will bring you back into the whole love concept. That is truly love, that you're sitting there with somebody and, and listening for the sake of listening, not listening for the sake of, of, of responding, which we do a lot, right? So I think time is probably one of the purest things that we can give to somebody. You know, if we really want to, I can tell you what's important to you if you show me how you spent your money the last month and how you spent your time in the last month. I can take those two things. You can look at those and that will tell you what's really important to you. Hmm. What is the one that you spend your time on, the one you spend your money on? What's both. important? Both. both. You know, you look at both and see how you how you spend both and it will tell you what's important. Ah, man, now I got to keep track on how I spend my money. <laughs> no, so just look back. Just look back yeah. and see how you spend it and it'll tell you. Oh, okay. So, you know, you can look at that and say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm spending all my time doing this or my money do on this. That tells you what's really important to you. Ah. But the other things we can give, I was thinking, uh, of course, love and kindness. Uh, how about our fear? Do we ever give our fear away? Yeah, but they can keep that. <laughs> I was I was in the store today buying something i was in a couple of places i was in the bank and i was in the convenience store and other and everyone was talking about the storms we're going to have and everybody was so afraid they were all yippity yippity about the storms coming in you know they were all spreading their fear sharing their fear with everyone did you hear about the storms did you hear about the storms it was everywhere everyone was talking about it so they were uh they were sharing their excessive fear we're few driven people how about our anger? Do we ever share our anger? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do. That's what <laughs> that's that's one of my uh my free services, my anger and my sarcasm. I just give it away freely. <laughs> it's not a problem. You have to give it away to keep it, Dennis. So you're doing a good job, right? <laughs> oh, that's to say. That's yes, it comes right back at you. Yeah. But I'm hiding it away in a lot of sarcasm and passive aggressive movements as good as I can. And I'm sure you're getting that back too, right? <laughs> I like, buddy, that you're focusing on. Um, I was only seeing that as like positive excesses, but it makes right. sense if we're talking about balancing that it also has to be looking at the excesses, quote unquote, negative excesses, like resentment projections, fears. 
So I, I really appreciate that you pointed that out. Yeah, I thought that was good. That was a note I had from a time we talked about this before. And we we brought that up in, in a past podcast at some point. So yeah, that was good. I, I like that too. Well, I don't like it, but it was good that I brought it up. <laughs> yeah. But also if you think if you think about if oh I get an echo here. If you think about it, don't you always you you also have to have a uh you have to have an af- amount of fear for you to sober up. If I wasn't afraid of of living that way that I was living, that misery there, I would never have sobered up, right? So you must have that in order for you to recover somehow. And 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 I still I know we talk about this a lot, buddy. But but don't you don't you have to have just a little amount of afraid of of succeeding for you to actually succeed somehow? Don't there have to be a little bit of that in it? Or, or do we all, or do we have to take it all as, as you, as we talked about the onion before, where we, we peel the onion away and, and, and all of those layers of fears. And then when you come into it, there's nothing but love. Well, that would be perfection. But for me, now I'm not talking about reverence or understanding that if I, invest too much money in something it's not a good idea because it's not practical i'm not talking about that kind of thing but but the fear of failure or the other fears that i would have um uh, never helped me they were never a they, they, they are they were more of a hindrance to me than a help i i don't mm-hmm. see where they were helpful uh, if that's what you're talking about dennis mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I see that in a big spectrum, they, they aren't helpful. But for can you? It was kind of, kind of like if love or, or faith is the opposite of fear. Can can love really exist without having that? Without there being a little bit of fear in it, or, or there sort of the duality in uh, in that spectrum? Not that 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 it's. It, what has been your experience? Let's bring it back to experience. Mm. Okay. What is okay? Your- experience is. That if I have to make um, I have to make a speech on a topic, and um, and if I don't if if I don't have any fear, I just go up there and I talk, and 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 don't there won't be that much of preparation if I don't have a fear of okay, what if this stuff doesn't work out? It doesn't have to consume me. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about if you don't have that little ah, oh, what if this thing doesn't work out? So in that way, I can use that to, to, to push myself a little bit further. Or is that also in a negative sense? Well, for me, mm-hmm. I would prefer to be motivated by love than by fear. I want to do a good job for whoever asked me to speak. So I want to take the time to prepare properly because I want to give them the job that they expected from me. Not that I'm afraid they're not going to like me or I'm afraid I'm going to fail. That's not as good. Of, for me, that's not as good of a motivation. It could be a motivator, but well, that's, a motivation is me coming from a place of love with that. That's good. I like that. So instead of it comes from fear, it comes from a loving way instead. It could be. Mm. Or you could be motivated with either for something like that, Dennis. But uh, I, I would think love and consideration because I can take the same the same act that I used to do from fear and do it from love instead. You know, I can uh, discipline my children because I love them rather than me 
discipline them out of fear that they're going to grow up and be hoodlums, you know? <laughs> ah, yes, that's See a good difference? point. Yes, that's a big difference. Good point. So that, that that's the way I look at that. Anyone else have a comment with that? Yeah, I do. Um, so, Dennis, you said, doesn't it take a certain amount of fear, right? And yeah, absolutely. I think, um, well, the 12 and 12 sits, says, since most of us are born with an abundance of natural desires, it isn't strange that we often let these far exceed their intended purpose. When they drive us blindly or we willfully demand that they supply us with more satisfactions or pleasures than are possible or do us, that is the point at which we depart from the degree of perfection that God wishes for us here on earth. That is the measure of our character defects or if you wish our sins. So I think that like the tipping point of that is when I started to reach like the bottom right rock bottom or whatever when I got sick and tired of being sick and tired and when I was finished with being humiliated so I could be at that completely defeated place of willingness and open-mindedness and honesty to get better and and I think that um those instincts served me very well for a long time that fear that wanting more whatever you know the seeking of more external things to satisfy the internal absolutely those instincts serve me well they were my survival skills i think they definitely helped me to to stay alive through my shit to get here you know and then like now it's um it's the realization of those liabilities if you will now turned assets because I can use those experiences, but you were asking us what we had excess of that we could give to someone else. And I think experience, if I, as related to recovery, if I've been sober for one day, then I have an excess of experience related to someone who, who just put down the drink and is just trying to stay sober. So I think from that how cool is that? Like, I never would have thought that. What am I going to give you if I've only been sober one day? Well, 23 hours and 59 minutes is what I'm going to give you. You know, and that seems like an eternity when I just put down the drink for the first time. I didn't think I could do that. So experience is how we draw the bow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we draw the bow to give. That's all about giving. Right. Because when you draw the bow, what's going to happen? It's going to give. Yes. Whoa. <laughs> Mine is pretty blown. <laughs> I like that. Yes. Whoa. That's almost the sound of the air going through there. Whoa. Yeah. That's good. We draw our extremes together with our experience. And, and, and it gives us something to give. Right. Huh. That's good. But hey, wait a minute. When we talk like that, we can kind of say that, that there's some quantities in it, right? So the guy with, with 10 years can draw the, 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 the bow further back and, and have more to give? I don't know. So that means that kind of takes away this, this saying that, that our surprise should be quality over quantity. 
Dennis, what are you thinking so much for today? What's your deal today? You're I don't know. I'm, I'm detoxing. I don't have coffee. I don't have nothing in my system. And uh, I had a, a, a B vitamins this morning. So I've been all hiked up all day. I want you to meditate before you come next time. Okay, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I, on Facebook today, I saw a thing about uh, a, a bow and arrow, which was kind of interesting. So when you pull the bow backwards, you're like, maybe your life is going backwards. And, and then, but, you know, you got to go backwards to go forwards. And that um, always be angry because you never know when you're going to be shot forward. But when you do the thing, I'm thinking about someone who's hit their rock bottom deeper and deeper and deeper, probably has more and more experience and can help you out more. Or, or one someone who's living and more living more of the program in my thinking, you know, is um, surrendered more of their life would have more that they could give in more areas of their life. Mm. So, and really, and you could look at that several ways. There's several analogies you could do the when you draw. If you're one who gives, you're going to be a more balanced person too. You know, you could look at some of it that way. Um, yeah, that's good. That's good. I think, um, Stephen Mitchell kind of speaks to that as well, buddy, when he says those who try to control, who use force to protect their power. And when I read that, I really think of to say, for example, financially, like those who try to control hoard, um, to use force to protect their power rather than just say, like I was at a meeting the other day and the speaker was sharing about how, you know, they give really freely to organisations financially and, you know, they were just talking about the energy exchange of doing that and what he receives back rather than, um, yeah, using force to protect that financial power, just like the free giving of it and the balance probably, the balance that occurs because of that. Yes. Thank you, Pip. That's good. And with our time too, someone asked me, how many sponsees do you have? Don't don't you get, isn't that a lot of time to spend? And I had to stop and count them up because I really didn't even, I, I don't keep track. I don't have a quota. No, I can't take any more because I have X number. I mean, there's none of that. And it doesn't even seem like a time issue. I mean, there's a number. I mean, I think I've, I've counted eight or nine. I think I, I, I meet with most of them an hour a week. But I don't think about it. It's not an issue. It's not a problem. It doesn't weigh on my time. It's just what I do. So, you know, and there's no, and being I don't never focus on it, I don't have my ego and pride's not. I had to stop and count them up. I don't keep them like a, you know, wear them on my sleeve is this is what I'm, you know, that kind of thing, you know. But I've known people who have. You know, you could ask them and they knew exactly what was going on with all of, you know, they kept them like a little harem almost kind of thing. You know, that's not the right word, but you know what I mean? <laughs> that kind of a thing. I mean, they were really protective of their little crew of sponsees, you know, and uh, I've seen that. One lady in particular I know of that did that. And I was like, that something's weird with this, you know, and it's that same thing you're talking about, though. I, I never think about it or or have pride in it or ego 
involved with that. So, so I'm at ease with it. So I guess that's one reason why it's not a time restriction for me. If that makes sense. Hmm. Actually, did, did somebody else ask after I asked you that question? Because I remember before I asked you, but I asked you for selfish reasons. I asked you because I didn't want to have somebody sponsoring me. They was all deluded out with their time to others. I want all the attention. <laughs> that was it. And then now I can kind of see, yeah, that was kind of selfish of me there. And that was the only reason. Right, but I remember that. So I hope there's somebody else that's asked that. That's not just there has been, Dennis. I, I get asked that question pretty often. Yeah. So, but but I guess that's an example of this, and I'm sure we all do when we think about it, because uh, the ways that we use our energies in giving that we may not that we don't track, then it's not an important thing to us. Then we're living this and not knowing really that we are. Hmm. The way I know I'm using force to protect something is that when it's challenged, I get aggravated, right? So I can look at the ways that I'm challenged, the ways that I'm aggravated or disturbed, and it will tell me ways that I'm trying to use force to protect. Hmm. Any other comments, guys? You got a big book quote for us, Amy? Of course, I can have several. So... (laughs) I don't really remember why I pulled this page out, but um, maybe when we were talking about motives and self-seeking, um, just on page 61, it says, is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages well? Um, is he not even in his best moments a producer of confusion rather than harmony? Um, yeah, that happens from our own self-effort, right? When we're when we're using our effort, I, I thought about that last two paragraphs on 420 with this. Uh, acceptance is the key to my relationship. I want to talk. Hold on, I need another word for God because there's so much connotation with the word God that when somebody hears it, they automatically add all this religious. I've got to, I really feel like I need to find a word substitution for God. I've been using universe a lot. I'm thinking about just using love. I love that you bring that up because, um, you know, I've been in and around the room since 2017 and that's probably the primary obstacle for me is I sit in the rooms and I hear people talk about God and even though it's a God of our understanding, all of the rhetoric and language around the use of that term so clearly is an Abrahamic God. Mm-hmm. And I can't see my conception of a higher power reflected in anybody else until I found this podcast. So I would love to hear more about that because especially when even the big book refers to the god as a he or some figure that can take action and do something the Tao isn't like i'd love a translation of the big book into like you know a complete translation but amy maybe that that kind of exists on that link you sent yeah amy you were talking about the universe uh byron katie calls god reality and I've been looking at this and talking to several different people. And even like we wrote a little statement that I wanted to start. That was my reason for wanting a 
a God statement, Marlo, was I'm, I'm looking for a different word than God. And, you know, I'm writing these devotions and I've had a couple of, thank you, you guys that have encouraged me on that. I've had a couple of emails and messages thanking me for those. Uh, if you're not getting those, you can sign up at buddyc.org. It's a free daily Tao devotion that I'm doing. Uh, but I use the word God and I, I don't want to use that word because it just adds all these other things to it that I don't want to say. So I think I'm just going to start substituting love for God every time and see how that, what that does. See if that does it. Uh, well, wouldn't that be a mis, I don't know, misinterpreted from a lot of people because they they haven't really found out what love is? Then if maybe I, I can see that God, you know, less than God. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I don't know. I mean, I'm just. Well, like, for example, in this reading, acceptance is the key to my relationship with love today. I never just sit and do nothing while waiting for love to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever's in front of me to do, be done, and I'll leave the results up to love. However, it turns out that love that's love's will for me. I mean, that works for me. It works a lot better than the word God. Um, I must keep my magic magnifying mind on my acceptance and off my expectations. For my serenity is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I've never had it so good. It says, thank God for AA. Uh, I can say I could be grateful for AA. You know, that's the way I could say that. I don't have to say thank God. I can just say I can be grateful. Mm -hmm. Even the Buddhist, you know, the Buddhist phrase, thank you for everything. They say thank you is to the to the universe or thank you as to what is. Mm. So what about uh, step six then when it, when step six asks us, you know, to be ready for, to have God remove all our defects of character. Why don't you put love there? What does it say when you put love there? We're entirely ready to have love remove all these defects of character. Isn't that how it works? Pip? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. For me, it is. <laughs> is it? <laughs> because what happens is I get opportunities to love and I have to choose to love instead. Mm. And, and when I choose to love, then I change. Mm. It sounds much warmer when you use love instead of God in, in, in the phrase of step, uh, step six, I think and they have a more warmer fuzzy feeling. <laughs> so my question is why for me right now, I'm, <laughs> Every time I'm I'm speaking or I'm talking, I'm like, if I say God, I immediately think that I have to follow it by not the Jesus Bible God. Right, exactly. But exactly. then I'm like, why does it even matter? And then and then I feel like I have to say something like at this point in my journey, I don't care. I just use God because it's short and sweet, one syllable, and everybody under, understands the concept. Why do I even have to spend any energy defending what word I use? Because yeah. it's such a personal thing. I mean, I think it's because other people's concept of God is whatever they grew up with. And they they don't have the experience. There's the excess experience there um, that we have. And or maybe, I don't know, or the willingness to even explore or investigate or whatever, you know. Um, but I just don't care anymore. 
because it's just personal to me. And, you know, when I'm around my family that grew up Southern Baptist, I make the choice not to have conversations about religion or God or anything because they're never going to understand. They're never going to understand until they walk, you know, my journey and they'll never walk my journey because they have their own journey. Amy, I went through that and then I came back around to being more concerned with, especially in the podcast and in meetings. Mm-hmm. Well, like Pip was talking, so many people come in with such a negative view of God, the word God. And when I say the word God, I, that does not mean the same thing for any of us in here. Well, some of us, we bring all this baggage in with that. I don't have that baggage on love. I really yeah. don't. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure there's other words we could use, too. Do you? <laughs> I don't. I don't have I mean, the bag. That bag, not the God baggage. But I love love because, see, for me, sometimes it's hard for me to put love. It's it's getting a little easier to mm-hmm. to replace God with love because I'm I'm growing and I'm seeking understanding there. Mm-hmm. But for me, when someone says love, I get all these negative connotations based on past experience yes. with horrible relationships where they loved me or I loved them. So again, it's still based on everybody else's concept or what the world tried to instill in me. And this is the way it is, you know? So I just don't have the time or energy right now to like, <laughs> well, I'm it just gonna... is what it is. <laughs> well, I'm I'm looking I'm I'm looking I'm uh, right now I'm I'm looking at using love for that substitute and um, there needs to I I need something I know I do for that. Pip, you have something? Yeah, it's um sort of circling back to what I was saying. I just I get unstuck because I. I, for myself, do replace it already with a very various term. Sometimes when I am reading things in my head, I'm like, Dow. Sometimes I say higher power. Sometimes I say universe. Sometimes I say love. But I just really don't have like a clear, strong understanding of when, because I feel like the big book was written with the conception of a God that is a man in the sky who can do things with in terms of action. And so if I read the book and I do the steps and I do this work, replacing a figure in the sky with an essence, how does it really translate? Because like a figure in the sky is like belief. I mean, I didn't grow up religious, so I don't really know, to be honest. But my understanding, which is probably incorrect, is that it's like a, I don't know, it just feels different. Like there's an essence versus I don't know. How does how does something that's an essence have the capacity to do the same thing that the big book says that a God can? It, it definitely was written from a Christian perspective, Bill. Mm-hmm. That, without a doubt, was the way the big book was written. But it doesn't mean that, um, well, at first, they, they actually ran this by some Buddhists back in, uh, was it the 50s when they did that? 40s, 50s, 
when it started moving into some other countries. And they substituted the word good for God. And so they said, well, nothing here conflicts with any Buddhist ideas when you substitute the word good for God in the steps. Um, so, and, and, you know, when I'm in meetings or when I'm anywhere in this group and someone says something that doesn't exactly jive with how I think, I don't correct them or say anything, you know, because we're all where we are in our journey. I mean, even now for me, if you talk about having a relationship with God, let's say, even if it's the universe or something, I'm now I'm thinking relationship isn't good because that means it's separate. I'm part of what is just like the hand is part of the body. So, you know, that kind of a thing. So I think it's always evolving. If it's not evolving for us, there's a problem, I think. The, the ideas of of awakening are, are evolving ideas. If, if we've gotten to a point at some point and we stopped evolving, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. It's a problem. And we're all somewhere on that path. You know, we're all somewhere in that. And, you know, when I'm in a meeting and folks are talking about, you know, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, okay, that's fine. You know, if they're talking about, you know, there is no God and and I believe in the force like star, okay, that's fine. I mean, they don't need my approval. <laughs> you know, it's not up to me to approve or disapprove, just like the bow. It's not up to me. These other opinions, I have to let those come to the middle, right? So I can use them. That's good. Isn't it also, I mean, we're trying to, to put a word on something that is so much bigger than us and that there is, uh, yes. or not even bigger, it's not the right word. It's not the right word because it's it's without form. And without form, we're trying to put a word on something. And that cannot be done. I don't think it can. And even in, in the in the writing of Lao Tzu, when, when he said that there's something profound inside of us that there was found before the beginning of the universe, and he ends that thing. I don't remember. I don't want to butcher the quote. Um, but he ends that saying with, in lack of better wording, I call it the Tao. Because he didn't know what to call it, right? Because it's it's something, as soon as we put word on something, and then as soon as we're trying to image it, then we're putting it into form and start to manifest into our humanness, and then, then, then we're lost, right? <laughs> the first stanza of the first verse of the Tao Te Ching, the Tao that can be described is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be spoken is yeah. not the eternal name. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. So it comes back to... <laughs> Why label it? Why put it in a box? Why well, we say talk about it's it so much, Amy? We talk about it so much that uh, I was. I'm looking for a way. We have to say the word. You know, we're. You know, unless we were, uh, unless we stop talking about this thing we talk about all the time. <laughs> just say thing. <laughs> we can just call it. You know. You know. You know. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about, well, you know, the other day, you know. <laughs> that cannot which be spoken about. Yes. Mm-hmm. We were we were talking about uh, Dao, uh, the Dao the Dao Ching first verse, first stanza the other day. And <laughs> yeah, exactly, Pip. 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with love at this point. I think that's the way I think about it anyway, Mm -hmm. but it is love that corrects our character defects. It's love that shows us the next step on the path. It's all pointing us toward love, a self-giving love. This verse 77, that's what 77 is describing is walking in love. How else can we give without expecting in return if it's not from a place of self-giving love? And if you're looking Christian-wise, it would be agape love is what is the word that they would use for that, that self-giving kind of love. I really hate to agree with you, but I have to agree with you on that part. <laughs> no, that's, that's, stay on your that, but again, it's, it, if we can go back to it, it's the God of our understanding, so you can call it whatever you want to, right? But I agree with you because even if you take all religions, they all point towards love. There's all religions carry some love in them. Right. And that's that's actually the spiritual part of it. And the rest of it is just politics when it's religion. <laughs> so God, yeah. Amy had a God equals not me. Yeah. And then I'm, I've been thinking about God as being now as well. Mm-hmm. The moment. Because that's what all this directs us toward is how to be in the moment. If you look at any of these uh, old Zen masters that I read about. They talk about enlightenment is no big deal. It's not something you get to enter your life. It's what you achieve toward the beginning of your life so you can live in the moment the rest of your life. It's not like you have arrived kind of thing. They say it's the most natural thing, the most normal thing to have because you just learn how to be in the moment like the rest of nature is all the time. We've lost it with all of our excessive fear. And if you think about it, God being loved, loves only in the moment. And it draws us to what is right now. When if we're if we're practicing the opposite of that, the fear, we're always out of the moment. So it is all about being in the moment. For me, it is. Hmm. That's good. Thank you, guys. Hmm. Anything else, guys? The way uh, Pip, you'd you'd like this. The way that I did the. Uh, Anyone who's got my book, and if you don't want the book or if you need a PDF of it, email me from the website at buddyc.org, and I will send you a copy of the PDF if you need it. No problem at all. I substituted in the back the word, different words in the 12 steps for God. I did one for love, emptiness, surrender, uh, truth, good, and then I... I did a version of the of the steps, and the sixth one was we begin to surrender to character defects that do not produce love in our lives. And seven was we open up our hearts to allow the natural changes in our lives that occur when we let love have its way. So we stop, we surrender to the things that prevent love in our life, like the character defects that we have. And then we start adding the things that we need to, the natural things allow the natural changes that happen when we just start loving in the moment, you know, and not fight those things, not resist them. And I think that's drawing the bow. That is drawing the bow. Because how how can we shoot the bow unless it's drawn? We can't. Hmm, that's good. Thank you. Anything else, guys? I feel like I talked a lot today. Dennis, maybe you'll have some enlightenment for us next week after your, how many days are you into your detox? 
I am only four days in, but I said oh I'm only doing one day at a time. Those 28 days. I don't know if I can do that. So um, four you days in. Day 11 next week. We're going to hold you to it. So we want Let's to see, see how like you are in 11 days. It okay. might be my wife that has to be here next week because I put myself in the gas oven. You never know. <laughs> you need 40 days to change your cellular to change your cells. You need to do it for 40. That's, that's, uh, oh, thank you, Marla. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Just adding 12 more to my program. That's awesome. <laughs> to, I don't, what are you detoxing from? I am uh, I am doing a no caffeine, no sugar, no sodium. Well, I'm actually cheating a little bit on the sodium already. So that's a little bit, of, but it's very little. And no dairy, no fun. Like all of that at one time? Hmm? Yeah. All of that at one time? It was horrible yesterday. I was just like, yeah, I don't see any. It's, But it's actually interesting because I went to a meeting where we had some newcomers here yesterday, uh, this morning. And going through that detox, somebody was doing a alcoholic detox at the same time. And you know what? My brain is, is actually working the same way as, as when that is happening. Because my my brain and my body is saying, hey, wait a minute, we need this stuff. We need caffeine, we need salt, we need sugar and all that to function. And and and, and it's interesting. So I have the same mind pattern every time. And I do it once a year. So my wife is keep making fun of me saying, hey, you know what's going on here. You didn't, you do it every year. So um, so it's kind of interesting. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Just just real quick, I put a um, link back to the whole God thing. I put a link in the chat to a pamphlet, um, an AA pamphlet, actually. And like on page 14 of the pamphlet, it's funny that Pip said, you know, a man in the sky. It says, while I respect that many AA members believe in a God of their understanding, I cannot conceive of a supernatural being that resides in the sky, has human characteristics, especially those of the male gender and organizes me and everyone else as if it were a master puppeteer. And yet I have no difficulty in accepting a power greater than myself and that such an acceptance is vital to my continued recovery. So it's a really good tool, um, really good pamphlet to read through. And I don't know, buddy, maybe it says it refers back to um, in the big book where it talks about the great reality deep down. So you said something about, it's on that's on page 55 of the big book. So yeah. Um, and and I will challenge any of you people with the with the big book, go through and write down all the different words or different terms that are used instead of God. And maybe that list of mm, 39, maybe that I came up with, maybe you'll find one that works for you. Love is is great, buddy. If that works for you right now, cool. I can't I can't do that one right now. Hey, wait a minute. Love, love is not in the big book, is it? May not be. I don't think it is. So it's definitely not one of the ones that you wrote down. I don't I don't think so. No. But it's okay. it's kind of a fun thing to do because there's a lot. There's a lot of different options there. And I'll put a link to this pamphlet in the uh, episode notes. Too, for anyone who wants it, look at the notes and I'll put a link there when I post this. Good discussion, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Anything else before we close? Everyone good? Thanks for hosting, buddy. Thanks, Marla. I enjoy it, dear. Thank you very much, guys. Okay. Well, if not, y'all have a great week and we'll see you next week.
Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.